This podcast is brought to you by House of Macadamias. I love macadamia nuts. They are incredibly good for you. They're the healthiest nut on a pound for pound basis, but they've always been hard to find and frankly, very expensive. House of Macadamias changes all that by going directly to farmers in South Africa to take the best nuts directly from each harvest. They turn them into incredible products, chocolate dip macadamias, protein bars, you name it. They taste incredible. I live off these products on a day-to-day basis. I'm a huge fan. Go to houseofmacadamias.com backslash Noah, use the code NOAH20 and you won't be disappointed. Welcome to the Uncharted podcast. Uncharted is a community of some of the world's best entrepreneurs, founders, investors, creatives, and beyond. At our dinners and at our annual summit in New York, we have dialogues with people who are truly at the top of their game across every industry. This podcast is designed really to offer the world and the audience a peek into the magical conversations that happen behind closed doors at our events, and more importantly, a peek into the brains of people who are truly at the top of their game. My goal with every guest is that if you know them well, you'll hear them talk about something or say something they've really never said before, and if you've never heard of them, you'll know exactly what makes them such a badass by the time the episode is over. Welcome to Uncharted. We're glad you're here. Ryan Serhant, ladies and gentlemen, we become friends through you attending a couple of the dinners, and I have been uh, an admirer of how you've changed the real estate game since you came onto my radar. I'm assuming the same time you came onto everyone else's radar, which is some combination million dollar listing and you being everywhere on social media with your content engine. Um, I've been impressed by not only how down to earth you are, but you're just such a nice guy and it's been so good to get to know you. Yeah, you're awesome. You're not, you're not what I expected. And I mean that in the best way possible. So it's super good to have you here. It's a good brand story. The thing that fascinates me about you is that this year you're going to do what in revenue this year? Revenue this year. Uh, so this is our second year as a business. So I got into real estate in 2008. I was a real estate broker in New York City, built a large sales team, by coastal the whole thing, TV show and all that stuff. And then in 2020, I left to start my own company, um, you know, entre- entrepreneurial spirit and all, and I uh, thought I could do things really, really differently. Uh, 2020. D1 was our first fiscal year. So this year ending out, we'll do like 56 million in revenue. 56 million in revenue this year. Yeah, year two. And 10 years ago or less, you were basically, I say this with respect, a starving artist in New York City, right? Yeah, more like 14 years ago. 14 years ago. ago. Yeah, but it's still pretty quick. Right. Yeah, I guess so, but dude, it feels so long. Um, time goes by real fast, but at the same time, like it does. Like when you when you do as much as we do uh, all the time, like any when you're an entrepreneur, you're just grinding all the time. So I think you you feel it, right? There's no days 100%. where where I can check out. Like there's never been a day since I got to New York City where I just wake up, go to work, and come home. Um, sometimes I envy that a little bit. Like I have friends who have jobs. You know, I have friends who like go to work. And I'm always like, wow, what, what is that like? I'm like, what did you do this afternoon? And they're like, I don't know. I think, uh, I think I had some meetings. I did some stuff. You know, I have a report due on Friday. And I'm like, damn, the simplicity <laughs> of that. You know, I have to like, I have to kill all day long. Um, yeah, so life is definitely different now. And starting my own thing was the best thing I ever did. And I should have done it sooner. Hmm. Tell, tell uh, the audience about... I know the story is, for the audience who doesn't know, Ryan moved to New York to be an actor 14 years ago, give or take. And basically, you pivoted into real estate when, like many artists do, you're like, I would like to make some money that's not dependent on me booking castings, which I yeah. can't rely on. So you made like nine grand your first year, yeah. a little more the next year. Yeah. And then it started to take off. 
Is what you're doing now scratching the creative itch that you had when you wanted to be an actor? Um, doing Million Dollar Listing definitely scratched that creative itch um, uh, early on because I'd put acting totally to the side when I went broke. And it was like, Makes sense. move home to Colorado or stay in New York City and I guess rent apartments to strangers on Craigslist. Like that was really the job, right? right? That was the work. Um, so a significant amount of hustle and learning how to talk to strangers all day, every day. Um, uh, and the show though came around and it was like, hey, uh, we're looking for the best real estate agents under the age of 30 in New York City. Do you have what it takes for the New York version? How'd you hear about it? It was just an open casting call in wow. like Curbed, you know, which is a real estate yeah, blog. Yeah. Um, and so I, I showed up and 3,000 real estate agents showed oh up at the casting call. But I had been in front of the camera. I had been on stage like my whole life. It's yeah. the, what I, the only thing that I was ever like kind of okay at. And so I, I just, you know, I, I was probably the worst real estate agent in that room. How much I, money, how much revenue were you doing when you like walked in that room? Like how good was your real estate business? Uh, I'd been doing it for a year. So, so, so small. Yeah, there's no there's no revenue calculations. <laughs> it was more like, did I successfully pay rent this year and eat food? I did. I just won the year, right? I won the year. Um, so you're at rock bottom, essentially, respectfully, when you go into this casting call. Yeah, I was living in a little studio in the financial district. Um, uh, you know, I was just sort of trying to wait. I was winging it, right? I was meeting random people, running all over the place, went into that casting call, uh, and I knew how to perform in front of a camera, though. So against every other agent who probably stumbled and didn't know what to do, like, I, I was very, very conscious of brand. I was very conscious of, of those specific moments, and I knew that, you know, a casting director sitting there in front of a camera watching 3,000 people come in and come out, you got, like, 30 seconds to come in, make an impression, leave. My goal was not to show them I was the greatest agent ever. My goal was to show them that I was the greatest agent on TV ever. Like mm. that was the job. That was that was the win. Um, and so you know that's what I did. And the casting process took like eight months, and then got onto the show. And the show definitely scratched that itch because you had to be. We were all producers, right? Like reality TV, they don't they don't help you. If, if anything, it's the exact opposite. The first season of Million Dollar Listing New York, um, they cast four of us, and the producers told us, and this is like where TV is way more cutthroat than even real estate or business, like we're gonna take uh, all four of you and we're gonna film the entire season. Um, the one who sucks gets cut, and we're not gonna tell you till it airs. And there was a- Whoa. Yeah, it was like, it was intense. So three of us made it, thank God. Um, and then we did it for 10 years. A lot happened in those 10 years. W w did you have the epiphany? Like, did you have the foresight to say, okay, this is the thing, like this billion dollars, like getting picked is a huge deal. In your head, are you like, this is my freaking moment. We got to push. I got to change my approach. All I that. Was, I was looking at like, I thought maybe I would go back to school at that time because being a real estate agent in New York City is hard. I mean, being a real estate agent anywhere is hard. Being a salesperson anywhere is hard. There's, there's no boss. There's no mentorship. There's no great training out there. It's all... It's all just sort of like eat what you kill. If you got it, then you could do it. If you don't got it, get another job kind of thing. And so I, I, I was just trying to figure my way through life here and trying to see like, am I going to stay in New York? Do I go back and get a higher degree at, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, but the show definitely uh, put a gun to my head. I didn't know if it was going to work, right? Because a lot of nine out of 10 shows come out, do one season, bomb, no one watches it, and right. they disappear for the rest of time. Um, I had no idea that this one was actually going to work. Um, and so I just tried to make it as interesting as possible, right? How like, did you think through that? Like, what's the approach? Um, 
I knew that anything that you record ever is written in permanent ink. And so whether it's this podcast or an episode of Million Dollar Listing or a TikTok or anything, you always want to put yourself out there to the benefit of you in 24 months. So anything I'm putting out into the world, I don't want people to see what I'm doing today, which at that time was like a cinnamon raisin bagel and uh, like trying to meet a rental client in Koreatown. Like that's not good for my brand in two years. In two years, I want to be here. So that's what I'm going to show them, which is super stressful, but you can do it, right? So it's it's kind of projecting future you um, uh, as best you possibly can. And that that really, really pushed me forward. And that was my light bulb moment of like, wait, if I can do this with a camera in front of my face, then I can probably do this anywhere. And then everyone's a potential client. And then I just have to believe in myself. And I am just going to tell everyone I'm the greatest real estate broker in the history of the world. And eventually it will be true. Did you feel, um, so you're in million dollar listing, you have this, that's a pretty remarkable insight, frankly, of like, you're basically figured out, okay, if I can believe in myself, project confidence and portray the version of Ryan Serhan in 24 months, maybe people will believe in me and maybe I can build a giant funnel yeah. basically through social media. Yep. Did you feel imposter syndrome did anyone try to call bullshit on you like what were the headwinds like trying to get through that i think i was so unknown <laughs> my my, comp my competition on the show definitely tried to call bullshit and there was a lot of drama but um other than that i was so unknown no one had any idea who i was like the 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 i was like below even the foundation of 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 awareness that i only had up to go right like nothing and to that lose. was yeah you have nothing to lose um it gets far riskier when you have something to lose. Like if I were to, if Million Dollar Listing came around now, you know, there's a lot more thought process that goes into my decision to actually do it. Because now I've built something much bigger, right? There's there's income standards, I've got a family now, there's a, <coughs> there's, there's income standards, I have a family now, um, you know, I've got this company business, I've got responsibilities, people underneath me, like I can't, I don't, maybe I don't go on TV and take my pants off. You know, like, so um, you have a lot more to lose, which is unfortunate in a way because there's so much freedom back then, you know, and I think um, uh, taking that risk was super, super worth it, even though everyone told me not to do it. Wow. It's powerful. How quick did your following grow online? Was it Instagram? That was the main channel. I mean, Million Dollar Listing came out in 2012. I mean, I, I think Instagram was invented in 2012 or something like that, but people didn't actually start using it until 2013 or 14. Like, I, I think I got it in 2013. Um, and it was slow, but it was definitely a different program back then, right? It was, there was a timeline. Uh, it was only photos, very, very filtered. Um, and it was more of like, a, okay, this is my, my, my visual Twitter, right? Because like Twitter and Facebook and then Instagram was just, was just like sharing pictures. So it's kind of like a Pinterest, but for your life. Um, uh, and every time the show would air, the following would grow and you just watch that happen. And then it, like anytime, you know, then you get notifications like, oh, people are following me, following me. What's happening right now? Oh, the reruns are playing in Canada, right? Oh, the reruns are playing in Australia. Oh, they're watching season one in New Zealand. That's where all these people are coming from. What, what's up, Kiwis? Um, <laughs> like, so it's just, it's interesting, but, but the world has totally changed now, right? People don't sit there and start following people they see on TV anymore. Um, and so we started the media company, the real estate media company in 20, like 2015, but then really got it geared up in 2017. Is knowing, that when you started the vlog? Yeah, in 2017. Knowing that uh, one day Million Dollar Listing is going to go away. 
One day Bravo goes away. One day all of this stuff changes and I don't want my brand and media power to be in the hands of other people. So I wanna hit people where they are. And at that time I was with like my niece and nephew who were, I can't remember, I think like eight and 11. And we were in a hotel on a family vacation and we had no Wi-Fi, right? Um, oh no, sorry, there was no cable. And so there's no TV and I was like losing my shit. I was like, what, what am I doing here with no TV? Right, there's no TikTok back then, right? No TV, and these kids, <clears throat> uh, these kids couldn't have cared less. A TV to them is a black mirror, right? They had their iPads, YouTube, good to go. And I was like, yep, yep, million dollar listing is probably not gonna go on forever. Um, uh, there's a generational shift here to uh, mobile entertainment. We have to jump on that right now. I sent an email to like one guy who's a video creator. and was like, I need to start a vlog tomorrow. Um, I know I told you this was stupid, couple months ago, I no longer think it's stupid. <laughs> I think I got to project into the future. And at the beginning, even like YouTube was a very, very small, small audience. And then, you know, and it's always about product market fit. And then I did a property tour for a house in LA that was on the market for $188 million. And I was like, but there was, but it was just me walking through a house. And I was like, this is going to be boring. And we put it out and 16 million people watched it. Like, 16 million people don't watch Million Dollar Listing. And that was really when it was like, okay, all right, everything's changed now. And then we just went hard. Did you, um, so you just hired a videographer and said, follow me around, basically. Mm -hmm. And you started posting it on YouTube? YouTube, and then we started cutting up the clips and then putting them on uh, Instagram. Once Instagram allowed video um, on Facebook um, and on like Twitter, if we could. And then we were also like, resyncing it into newsletters and all that stuff. I love the stories of like the, the, nieces and nephews and the YouTube, whatever, and the $16 million thing that you, or 60 million views. Yeah. Are there other stories of like when you started to post stuff on YouTube, whether it's you're getting recognized on the street or people are sliding in your DM saying, I want to buy where you're like, okay, I am finding some alpha. Like I need to keep pulling. Like what were some more of those early signals in 2017, 2018, where you're like, this is it, this is the thing. Well, we pull leads um, from social all day, every day. Like our business now is content to commerce. Right. We are we are content to commerce for real estate. So Kylie sells makeup. Logan Paul sells a hydration drink, and we sell real estate. You know, like I we have employees who specifically monitor DMs. There's different chat bots. There's different link forms. There's different funnels. There's different type forms, and all that stuff to engage with the audience, so that there's there's post with purpose. Right. So you're not just posting to post. You're posting with purpose, um, and we do that for all of our agents and all of our properties. But early on, yeah, like we. Uh, I mean, people recognize me from the show all the time, um, but there was definitely a difference. Honestly, there's when the vlog came out, you know, a couple months after that, I remember getting stopped on the street and like this guy, I think we were in Soho on Broadway. This dude was like, dude, sir hands. It's like, Hey man, what's up? He's like, I love your vlog. And I was with someone else and we were like, excuse me, what did you just say? And cause for what was that? I mean, for five years, it had been, I love you on the show. Million Dollar Listing is my favorite show, right? I hated you, but now I like you, whatever it is. I love your wife. Oh my God, your wedding, all that stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden it switched where people stopped watching TV and they were just on their phones or on their iPads or on their computers. Um, it was like, I loved your vlog. And then that started and it went every day. And then when TikTok came out, then all of a sudden I started getting these young groups of dudes, young group, young people coming up to me and like, oh my God, you're, dude, you're the TikTok real estate broker. I was like, 
what did you just say? <laughs> what am I? I had no, I had no idea. And like these people have no idea that I did a TV show for ten years. They have no, they have no idea that I have books, I have my own company. All they know is I'm the guy that shows high priced property and also sells it on TikTok. Um, and it's wild. So like the brand changes per platform, and then you just have to use it, engage with it, and turn it into business. How much of your revenue as a business would you say you spend on marketing? Um, I do my, my legs are so dry. I'm like gnashing right? my, my leg skin all over my, my <laughs> nice black pants here. here. No, I'm, yeah, I need lotion. Um, how much of my revenue is generated from social? No, sorry. How much of your revenue as a business do you spend on marketing? I mean, my entire business is a marketing business. Um, I, I don't know actually what percentage of revenue. Um, it's going to be a good chunk. Uh, but it, it's probably my second line item after payroll. Probably goes payroll, uh, payroll, marketing, um, and then a mixture and a grab bag of everything else. Have you felt um, you're doing something distinctly different in the real estate world? And I'm, I can, I'm not a real estate guy. I can see it from the outside of how the industry is kind of caving to be like, oh shit, we need to do more social media. We need yeah, to dude, do TikTok. South Park did an episode. Is the craziest thing that ever happened. I grew up watching South Park, right? Um, and I went to get my haircut. I think this is actually earlier this year. I went to get my haircut at my barber in Soho, right? Um, and I I walk in, and Matt Stone is sitting there, and it was like, really? It was like a moment for me because I like I, I followed them and their path and the success and everything is so crazy. And he looks at me. And he didn't say anything, but I knew there was like, I wasn't just a regular guy to him. And I was just like, dude, you're just fucking awesome. <laughs> I like had one of those like celebrity freak out moments. Um, I didn't know what to do. And he was like, yeah, thanks, man. You too. And I was like, okay, he probably says that to everybody. Fucking three weeks later, because they write their episodes the week of, right? Three weeks later, an episode on South Park comes out, or maybe it was two weeks later. Um, about uh, uh, real estate agents um, making content on YouTube and selling through content and just making fun of them in an unbelievable way. And everyone sent that to me and they're like, dude, you see this episode? Oh my God, it's so funny. It's like they're, it's like the whole episode is making fun of you. And I was like, really? And then I watched it. I was like, oh my God, the barbershop. That I, 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 it was just so, maybe it was a massive coincidence, but that was a moment where I was like, okay. Interesting. There's no shot that was a coincidence. That's the best way it was I've so, ever heard. It was so ridiculous. And it was just making fun of real estate they're, agents. They're who, ruthless, who like, but they're so good. Who just run around with phones and like put themselves on Instagram and do YouTube videos and like brand new towns in different ways because everything has changed. And then traditional brokers still trying to do their thing. And like the reality TV and you know YouTube influencer real estate broker was out to kill them and all that stuff. Do you feel... Um, do you feel kind of like a pressure or competitiveness or any like crazy things happening from the old school that's watching what you're doing, presumably stealing a lot of business from some of the incumbents and being like this, we got to get rid of this guy? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's no one's like fought me yet. Um, there's been a lot of verbal and a lot of like press stuff. I mean, I was on stage for a, a, a real, the real deal is probably the biggest real estate magazine, newspaper and website in the country. And so I was on stage at this year, actually beginning of this year, just doing a panel. And one of the incumbent traditional real estate brokerage CEOs um, started the panel by basically saying, hey, sorry, I know we're going to get to questions, but I just want to tell everybody how terrible 
uh, reality TV and social media has been for this business and like went on a seven to nine minute tirade and it just ripped me Whoa. apart on stage and it, the whole audience was like, what just happened? What is happening right now? I had no idea that that was even coming and I was unprepared for how to handle it and I was just like, listen, um, I don't know. What is that? The radiator probably, right? Radiator? All right, cool. You're gonna edit. You're gonna edit the clicking out. Yeah. Are you gonna turn? If you turn the heat off, probably. Yeah, the heat is. I think it's just the building. Ah. Should we keep talking? Yeah, go ahead. You're still recording. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, yeah, and so she just came after me, hard, and I just, I just stood up and was like, "Listen, um, I, I think the traditional model is amazing. I think it's great. I don't think it works for everybody anymore." Um, uh, you know, I, and the same way, I, I also don't think reality TV is bad for our business. I don't think HGTV was bad for general contractors or the home flipping and renovating business, right? So those shows gave a whole generation of people a different idea of how they could make money and build wealth and take advantage of, of, of you know, an asset class that maybe they never thought they could take advantage of. Mm. Um, and I know for a fact that Million Dollar Listing um, put real estate real estate brokerage on the map in a way it never had been before mm. right it grows now at, at a massive 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 clip every year it's nuts when you lose listings to other brokerages or, or real estate agents why do you think that is like what are the main reasons um because people like to go with what they know right we do a lot of business it's great we're growing every year but i i don't expect everyone on fifth avenue to call me because they have relationships real estate is still a relationship business it's not a it's not an actual real estate business right on the brokerage side i'm not i'm not building these houses i'm not it's a it's a buyer seller tenant landlord business it's a pure relationship business um, and people go with who they know um, but the more success you have in your disruptive way the more people then say maybe i'll try that Maybe, maybe that'll be different because my friend's been doing it for a long, long time. And I think he still sends me the same postcard every year, right? Hmm. Um, uh, and so, you know, it's, it can be difficult to take business away from incumbents. Um, but you also want to spend time not pitching the unpitchable, right? Like I, I, I don't like ever hold myself to some standard that I'm going to be able to go out there and get business that 95% of the time is going to go with that other choice. Right. There's enough business out there for all of us. Let's just grow the pie. Hmm. Um, my friend Moyes, who I think you met at a dinner, he's he founded and sold native deodorant for a hundred million dollars. I told mm -hmm. him I was interviewing you and he wanted me to ask you this question. What's the best deal that you've ever seen a client get in all your years working as a broker? Um, there's two and they both happened during COVID. For the for the people with courage who bought during COVID in New York City when everyone said New York City was dead and it was over and it was boarded up and there were police on the streets and it was a total shit show, um, those people stole. It was it was just, it was insane. So um, there was two of them. One deal we did on 57th Street, Billionaire's Row. The seller was into the apartment for I think 36 or $37 million and they were convinced New York was over. That guy wrote that New York Times article or whatever it was about New York being dead, right? It was just like everyone was so – everyone moved. Everyone flew to Florida. Everyone was out. Everything's over. And I had this guy, and he was like, pretty sure this is just a virus, and it's going to go away. Like everyone's kind of fine. Like people are going to die, and it sucks. Everything's awful, but let's go find a good deal. And I sold him that apartment for 16 Wow. Right? The seller just took a took a 
15 million dollar bath um plus minus uh because he was convinced the world was over um and he should have held right the other one i did which is a great one uh represented a client uh he had a his budget to me was like five to ten million dollars i was like but what if i could get you like a bloody deal like the best deal ever he's like then it depends on the deal so there was a penthouse on broom street in soho that was asking 40 million dollars and i sent it to him and he was like, yeah, no, but not this. I don't have $40 million. I was like, what if I got it for you for half, right? And I got that deal done using COVID as, as a reason. Um, and the second wave that was coming in, you know, and we're all gonna, we're all gonna die. There's no vaccine. Um, and he got it for 22 and a half. Uh, a year later, so this was, oh, I guess a year ago now, um, someone came and offered us $40 million for it. And he said, no. <laughs> I was like, dude. You just made $18 million, you know, a little less after closing costs and all that. What are you doing? He's like, nah, let me know when it's at 50. It's like, God damn it. Was he living in there? He kind of lives there. He was his like New York spot. So you doubled or quadrupled his, his willingness Dude, to spend. Like, I, you know, when things are great, they've never been better. Like 2021, dude, NFTs, crypto, FTX, everything's awesome, right? When things are bad, they've never been worse. Um, and that is the absolute best time to make moves. Like it just, every single time it happens and everyone gets nervous and everything's over and we're all going to die. It's like without fail, that is the time that you go in. So like in 2020, everything was awful and we're all going to die. And I started my own company because it was way cheaper to do it. Then expectations were so low. It was awesome. I didn't have to do any parades. Like everyone was just like, man, are you okay? You're starting your own. Co oh dude, are you, are you sick? It's like, yep, yep, I'm totally sick. And then poof, off to the races. Just like now, everyone's like, 2023, recession, 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 economic hurricane, we're all going to die again, inflation, everything's terrible. I'm like, it's time to expand. We have to grow, mm. right? So 2023 will be a big year. Where's next? Yes. How are you thinking about growth? Um, uh, staying on the East Coast for now so that we have easy access to put out fires or just to be there, right? So um, obviously the surrounding states of New York and then everything down on the way to Florida. From there, we'll start to move west, but keeping it pretty pretty, pretty close to us as we, as we figure out what expansion even means for us. How does it work? Like what are, what are, what are our markets gonna need? What are we gonna, what are we gonna do? Um, how does the brand, you know, how is it absorbed? We think a lot about like, what does Sirhant mean for real estate in New York, what's it mean in Miami? What's it mean in Charlotte, North Carolina? What's it mean in Columbus, Ohio? Um, because it's different everywhere, right? And and how do we how do we play with that? How, qu that? how quick do you want to expand? Quick. What does that look like? Um, so 2023, my goal is to uh, be in 12 markets by the end of the year, which means I want to open a market once a month. Um, if we can do faster, great. But I, I think 12 is aggressive. Um, <laughs> it's it's aggressive, uh, but I think it's okay because I also, uh, I don't care about, um, you know, most companies have mass analysis paralysis and they really overthink everything. We gotta do it this way, we gotta do it that way. And my competitors in the real estate brokerage space anyway, you know, we gotta open up this office, we gotta hire these people and we gotta do the right marketing and do that. And like maybe 10 years ago, but our brokerage is built completely in the cloud and I can open up a market in 24 hours. Mm. And so, um, we can move really quickly. It's just going to depend on, on doing it with the right people. What is a, What does it look like for you to open a market? Do you pump social media content in? Do you hire local people, open an office? You, uh, We find a broker of record, 
right? So we got to do it legally, right? There's Department of State and all that stuff. Yeah. So you find the broker of record that wants to lead the charge. Um, we find our, our 10 founding members for the state, right? What's and a founding member? Meaning that they're the first 10. They're taking a risk on me, so I'm, I'm going to- Like buyers or sellers? No, no, agents. Agents, real, real got it, agents, okay. Right? Um, they're, they're, they all have a good thing. No one ever has to move. Everything's fine. So if you're going to come to me, you'll be a founding member. There's incentive to do that with us. Um, and it's only 10 in the state. Um, and then from there, the recruiting process starts. Once we have those 10 and we start planting those flags and other flags get planted, other people start reaching out and it starts, starts to organically grow from there. Why do people sign up as founding members? Why, why should someone be a founding member with Sirhan in a new market like Charlotte? Because it's, it's, well, to, for a bunch of reasons. One, it's financially, you're incentivized, right? So you can probably get a better deal coming to be and being my first than you have where you are currently. Um, two, you know, we're a new brand, which is a much easier pitch for a real estate agent to a buyer or seller than uh, a, a firm that's been an incumbent in your market forever that everyone is using, right? That everyone is pitching because now you don't have brand help in your pitch. You got to differentiate yourself just as you. So when you have a new brand, something different that has direct ties into New York City, that is the number one most followed and subscribed to real estate brokerage brand on planet Earth, that is a good pitch for people, you know? Um, and they have direct access to me, my entire team, and everything that we're doing as we change the business into the future. Hmm. You said something, um, I think I think it was another podcast, it might have been Noah Kagan's podcast, and I, I listened to it in prep for this, and you talked about how the number one thing you want to impart on your daughter is that scared money don't make money. Yeah. And your story about getting the best deal ever, best deals ever during COVID made me think of that. Can you talk a little bit about how that plays out for you? How do you how do you action that in your life? Oh God, I say that was the number one thing I want to impart on my daughter. Um, <laughs> there's probably a lot of other things I want her to know other than other than spending money. Um, no, you know what, man? Like I grew up fine, life was fine, but we never talked about money. We never talked about money at the dinner table. The only times we ever discussed money were when my little brother and I had to work um, and work for like no money. And we would be paid by the amount of sticks that we picked up in the backyard or the amount of wood that we would chop. It was all manual stuff. It all sucked. And it was very, very low wage. And my dad was just very, very focused on us understanding the importance of a dollar. If you want something, you're going to pay for it on your own. You want to save up money. You want to go get that first video camera, like all that stuff. But it, it worked in a way because I'm super fiscally conservative now and very, very responsible with money and I hate spending money. Um, but it also scared the shit out of me about money. Like I was always nervous about it. I was afraid of it. Once I had it, I didn't want to lose it because it was so hard to get. I never, as I was growing up, I never understood that money was a resource and a tool, right? Um, and it, it versus thinking of it as like a handcuff. Um, and so like, the doors really, really open for me when I actually looked at it as a tool and um, and use it for growth, right? Purely use it for growth and didn't get so fixated on every single dollar, right? Um, uh, time is far more important to me than money now, mm -hmm. right? Far more important to me. And so, you know, I think maybe Noah Kagan was talking to me about like, you know, if, if Zena becomes an entrepreneur or some way, um, uh, something that I want her to know is that scared money don't make money. So in the uncharted community and in the, the audience here with Advertising Week, it's a lot of entrepreneurs, it's a lot of investors, it's advertising executives that span the gamut of industries. Yep. What advice would you have about how they can action that? Like how, how could people reframe their thinking given what you're saying about, about how it's worked for you and how you'd impart it on your daughter? Um, make sure that you can build a profitable business 
where you have the choice to not be profitable, right? Um, we've done that and it's been super, super helpful for us against a lot of companies that just focus on burn, right? Just grow, 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 grow. And then you never have an understanding of how to become either break even or profitable um, so that you can choose when and how to spend, right? You can choose when to grow um, and how to cut and when to cut. Um, and we've been super specific about that. And so really be careful about limiting overhead, right? And building an everlasting business that can grow along with cash flow and spend against revenue, you know? Um, I don't know if that answers the question. Maybe it does. It's a good, it's a good answer. Is it sure. though? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. If yeah, you... and focus, listen, all day long, I mean, for anyone that's building a business, your number one focus right now is expand and brand. That is it. That's all I, that's all I focus on all day long like ceo responsibility number one for me is expand and brand so it's not just expand the brand it's expand and brand I'm, I'm growing the business in whatever way i can thinking about the future keeping my pulse on the markets everything i'm getting us to the next level that's my job like i'm literally the captain i pick the direction and i gotta keep it going i'm uniquely qualified to do that everyone else underneath me does everything else i don't do anything other than that and then i focus on brand because I'm uniquely qualified to do this podcast with you right now. I'm uniquely qualified to be on camera. I'm uniquely qualified to do everything else um, that I do to push the brand forward to the benefit of everyone else who's on the ship, hmm. right? Are you, um, how are you regulating your energy, right? Like you are, every time I see you and, and we talk, you, you have like just come from doing some crazy thing, like showing a billion dollar house or something. And like, you're always pushing. I feel like that's everyone at your dinners though. Like I haven't gone to your dinners and been at an unchartered dinner and be like, dude, some of these guys are so boring. <laughs> like everyone's, they're so petrifying. Like the, I sit next to like the one quiet person to my left. I'm like, all right, finally, someone with like, you know, low standards. And then she opens her mouth and she's like, well, actually I invented X, Y, Z, LMNOP. <laughs> and she says a sentence with nine words I've never heard of. And I'm like, the fuck? God damn it. Anyone want to come to an open house? Um, uh, you know, so... Um, <laughs> I don't know why, why. Oh, how do I keep my, my energy going? I, I think you, listen, everyone know you have a thing, right? Everyone's got a thing. My thing I think is capacity. Mm. Um, uh, I am not good at doing less things, unfortunately for my sanity. Um, I think I have really, really, really large capacity to do many things to structure them, to organize them, and to do them all at once, all at the same time. And that, um, uh, I think that is unique to, to like one of my superpowers, you know? Um, I think, you know, I have friends who their superpowers are understanding the macro, the macro economy in a way that I just don't. You know, I have friends who understand crypto in a way that I just don't, and so they've turned those things into businesses. Um, and so for my brand, you know, Surhant, our company, is uh, is a holding company, right? Underneath it, we have a real estate brokerage company. We have an ed tech company, and we have a production company underneath it. And I run all three of them all day long. So, so yeah, I just run around a lot. Hmm. It's, the reason I asked is because it's been on my mind, particularly at the end of this year, right? Like, for me, I started a fund this year. It's going quite well. I'm running Uncharted, which is going quite well. And I feel like I have blinders on in a way yeah. where I'm, I'm forced to regulate my energy by cutting out so much stuff that maybe three years ago I just had time for, like yeah. more social things with friends. 
and I'm balancing this, and I want to hear your advice on this because you're you're at such a high level and you're operating at such a high level. I'm balancing this urge and desire to be successful and build, and it's working, um, and regulating energy really by cutting things away and being so focused. And so it's this weird guilt of like, should I be doing more things that are like for my mental health, quote unquote, or should I not feel guilty that I'm just enjoying working right now and, and that I should be doing more things like seeing friends with no agenda and spending more time going out with friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't really do that. Um, I, I think it's really, really hard to find a balance. I think it's super unique if you can. Uh, but I, I, I think it's also okay just to do what makes you happy every day. You know, but you also have to be super blunt and honest with yourself. You can't say, oh, I just love work, I love work, I love work. But then you're sad and depressed. And then you actually do wish you had more friends. Because then you're just lying to yourself and you're finding an excuse, right? It's like people who love busy work, who like setting up office all the time, they're always doing something. Or people who stay in school forever, right? They never actually leave the world to go get a job because no, no, I got into this school and I'm just further being educated. I'm 45. Eventually I'll figure it out. You know, it's like, no, you just, you just lie to yourself. So you can, you can, you can do all that. You can do work all the time and then lie to yourself if that not what's, if that's not what makes you happy. But I, um, I really do love work first and foremost. Like I told my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, it's like, just so you know, I, I know myself work comes first like i love building i love my desk like i love desk <laughs> you know i love my screens i love building i love negotiate i just like it's what makes me happier than spending time uh with friends because I, I i get very anxious about not being productive there are times that i'll definitely chill out like obviously um like i'm not a robot but i <laughs> i i do um, i don't think i'm as smart as all of my competitors and so my win against them is that I will outwork them. And I learned that really, really early on. I'm not nearly as connected. I was not the rich kid. Um, and I'm not as intelligent, right? But I think I can be street smart and I will outwork you every single day. Like my first three years in the real estate business, I took zero days off. Not Christmas, not birthdays, nothing. And I was like, if you guys wanna see me, you gotta come and just see me. And then as I think about growing the company now, there's a line um, Jonah Hill has it in Moneyball. Great movie. Where he's, ta where he's talking to Brad Pitt's character um, uh, about how to build a, a winning baseball team. And he's like, everyone else builds a team by hiring players and buying players who get runs because runs are great. You want to see people make runs, right? But they're doing it wrong, right? You want to build a team that wins. You want to play for wins. Don't play for runs. And I feel like a lot of people play for runs, and that's like playing for views, right? They they play for ego, right? They, they're doing this because they think it's gonna be cool because they're not actually afraid of failure, they're afraid of being embarrassed. Because with our phones these days, everything you do is so public and you don't embarrass yourself. So I'm gonna play for runs instead of actually sitting back, fucking grinding and building and playing for wins. And that's that's what I focus on. It sounds like you do the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to get tactical for a second. You're a salesman at your core, right? So your your life is marketing and sales. And like mm -hmm. you said it well, right? Whether you're selling alcohol, which is my world, or selling real estate or selling anything, it's it's sales. Um, anyone who's in the industry that's listening to this, sales at all is going to resonate with this, I think, of you've got a client or you've got a lead where it's a big deal and they're at the five-yard line and you're just trying to get them across the line and they're playing softball, they're not responding, they're interested, you've got a verbal yes, but you need them to sign. Yeah. What are some of the things you've done to get people across the line to close them? Oh, I mean, 
everything. First of all, I mean, I could answer this question for 100 hours. So let me see how it can be succinct for you. Um, uh, simply, right, when you're in that moment, you can do one of the three P's, P is in Peter, which is push, pull, or persist. So you have to know who your client is and how they react. By the time you get to the five-yard line, you're going to know whether your client reacts to being pushed, whether you need to pull the deal to make them want it, right? Or whether you just have to be persistent and stay on them. And I've had clients who have, you know, I've, I've had to do all of them, right? All of them, all the way, all the way through. Um, you know, I just sold an apartment for $66 million. And the way I got it done, because um, the guy would not react to pushing at all, uh, he would have just not done the deal because screw you, I'm not going to be homeless. I don't need this place. I, I, I was kind of persistent, but I, I, he's, I had to be very careful with his time. Otherwise, he wouldn't do the deal, right? And so uh, he, went, he went silent on me for a week when we basically had a deal. And we just went silent. Um, and if I had sent a general follow-up, like, hey, you still alive? Right? You can never just follow up with check-ins. You always have to follow up with value. Um, and I took a risk. I said, hey, just want to let you know um, uh, they're moving forward with somebody else. I'll be on the lookout. I'm going to send you other options. Immediately, he was like, what do you mean? Like, your lawyer, me, everyone have been following up with you for an entire week. Like, we know you're not dead. Um, I, I just, sorry, I didn't want to bother you. I, I just assumed you didn't want it anymore. He's like, why would you assume that? Because you haven't talked to me for a week, you asshole. Like, I don't know. It's not my fault. So they're selling it to someone else. Let's lock it up today. Okay, but I knew he was going to do that already, so I was already prepared, and we got the deal done by 5 o'clock. Um, the other thing, and I think a really key thing to how I negotiate versus how I see everyone else negotiate, aside from just like I remove ego, I work for the deal. I don't work for the buyer. I don't work for the seller. I work for the deal, and I make that really, really clear. Right? I'm not in your corner. I'm not in his corner. We're here to make a deal happen or not, um, is I don't negotiate to win. I negotiate for you to win. Because if you win and I make you happy, by default, the deal gets done and I'm just going to smile quietly, right, on the backside. And so a lot of people lose deals and don't get deals done or lose clients in every asset sale ever um, because they're negotiating for them to win. I want my client to win. I want to win. I want that commission. I want him to get his price. And it's the exact opposite way you need to go about it. I think my, my career really, really took off once I, I realized that light bulb moment and I started negotiating for the other side. I started asking the other side, what's going to make you happy? Aside from just price, how, how can I get my guy to make you happy? And now all of a sudden, that person thinks I'm in their quarter right? I'm not. But now they think I'm in their corner when really I'm just there working for the deal. They're like, well, yeah, I mean, the price is important, but, but, but Ryan, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I gotta, I, my, my, my wife just isn't going to move by Christmas. Dude, I didn't even fucking know you didn't want to move by Christmas. I think no problem. We're going to do a sale lease back. I'm gonna let you stay there till next Christmas if you want, or whatever the deal might be. Now, all of a sudden, I'm working for you, right? Now you just won. You just got the best deal. Ha 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 ha. I got it. And, Great. Perfect. I'm glad you feel that way because everyone has such a massive, massive ego and it is so annoying and it's so exhausting and there's so much greed out there that it's just like I've had to learn just to like it's like horns in New York City. The greed that I deal with every day is just honking horns like you just eventually just get used to it and you tune it out and I don't honk back. Right. The people who honk back 
are the people um, who will one day, I don't even know what I want to say to that. They just suck. <laughs> you don't take any of it personally? No. Dude, I was an actor in New York City when I moved here. That you take personally. You get rejected after standing in line for 12 hours at an actor's equity audition in Times Square. And you walk in the room and they're like, no, nope, wrong nose. Right? It's like, oh, I didn't realize you were so old. Oh, I'm not old. I'm 21. Oh, but your hair is gray. That's weird. Bye. Like, you get rejected to your face because of your face. Right? You get rejected because of your voice. Like, that's personal. And I did that for two years, all day, every day, and gave it everything I had. I could, maybe I should have stuck it out longer. I don't know. But um, I say it worked out in my own way, in a different way, sure, right? Um, uh, uh, but like in real estate and in sales, it's not personal. They bought something else, dude. All right, good luck and Godspeed. There's eight billion people on the planet. Let's work with people that want to work with me. I don't need to work with assholes or like other mm -hmm. people. And when people don't pick me, oftentimes I'll send them an orchid and tell them that I'm I, I'm sorry for their loss because I <laughs> you I, actually I, do that. Yeah, that's because baller. I yeah because I I also I'm so confident in my abilities. When someone picks somebody else, like I know what they're about to go through, and I know they've just made a mistake, and I just want them to know that like I'm here for them. Do you feel um, do you feel a pressure? given the stature and brand you've built for other people who are, I would say you probably skew heavy real estate entrepreneur, but entrepreneurship in general, right? I have a lot of friends who are just aspiring entrepreneurs who know who you are because of your social media. Do you feel a pressure to, I don't want to say uphold because that implies you're faking it, but to continue to push this hard for their sake? Uh, <laughs> um, I... Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a lot of responsibility now. I don't know if I, I feel like that much pressure from like keeping things going for other people. I feel like there's like some Abraham Lincoln quote that maybe wasn't even for him, but everyone attributed it to him where he was like, I'm only a success now because I, I, I didn't want to let my friends down. You know, like you get to that point where you're like, oh, God damn it, I guess I'll just keep going. Um, for all the people that didn't have the opportunity to be here, I, I do feel pressure to, to myself though. I feel pressure to my my future self, like more than anything, you know, like I, I dude, like it's going to be 2030 before we know it. Like it's just, it's just, it's going to happen. Like there's nothing we can do. We're all going to get older. 2030 will show up. Seven years will have gone by. And I hope Ryan in 2030, like he's fucking rocks. Like I hope his life is great. <laughs> if his life is not great, it means I fuck something up really, really bad between now and then. And I just gotta, I gotta keep Your it going. Your life is already great though. But maybe it does. Maybe yeah, I screw something up. I don't know. Like who knows? I have no idea. What is 2030, what does it look like? Ryan started in 2030, what, what does success look like as much as you can describe it? If you can think that far. Yep. Um, Sirhant is a real estate brokerage, uh, is now fully national and international. Um, we've either gone public or been acquired at that point um, within seven years. Um, sell it so the the sales education platform um, has either been acquired or is just an incredible business and we are teaching the world to sell across every vertical um, and our real estate production company is the go-to for all real estate media specific um, and has grown into like a full-blown agency by that point and i have at least two kids and I'm still with my wife, and she hasn't left me for some like Greek shipping heir with like a hairy chest or something that I don't have. Um, 
and uh, <laughs> and I'm still healthy, dude. I'm still healthy, and I haven't hurt myself doing something stupid. Um, and you know, I'm having a good time. And like New Year's is some kick-ass party going into 2030, and I'm hosting it, and I've been able to bring like all my friends and close people to like somewhere sick, and I fully paid the bill. Like that's my. I've goal. always had that dream too. Weird, dude. Literally, that's always been the thing. I'm like, my goal. I don't know what the number is, but I want to have it to, to a point where I can be like a 50 person group, 20 person group chat. Like, guys, just be in Miami tomorrow, and a boat's yeah. gonna pick you up. Don't worry about it. I got dude, it. I don't know. Like maybe maybe social media has like ruined us that way. But like, I to be to have like a like like you know Michael Rubin level of of you know clout and ability and dollars obviously just to be like my 50 closest friends um hey hey just just meet at the airport we'll jump on my plane we're, we're gonna go somewhere i'm not gonna tell you but it's gonna be insane that's Prepare to have the best three days of your entire life to like to be able to give back to the people that supported you you know because i have a lot of friends too who like have supported me this entire time i and i'm the guy that does not respond on the group chat right <laughs> i'm the guy that doesn't show up like i'm just always too busy and so focused that like down the line the ability to be you know, to to give back to all those people that really, really supported me and fans too is like something I really, 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 really look forward to doing. I think it'd be super awesome. It's so funny that that's the thing that I wonder if other people in the audience <laughs> fantasize about that, but I've always had that same vision of like, be at the airport, I got it. Yeah. It's, it's such a like funny Like whatever it is, like if it's, yeah. I mean, by then $1 won't buy you anything, right? The inflation <laughs> will just be so rampant that by 2030, it'll be like, listen, I, I bought your ticket. It was only $50,000 to get you across the state or something. But um, uh, to be at that level, I think is 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 super cool. Amazing. Um, we're, we're low on time, and I know you have a call because you're busy and never stop working. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Anything that's been on your mind recently? No, I, I think I, I, I'm very focused on, um, you know, planning for the future. Like we were talking before this, like you know, what does AI replace Google? Um, and if that happens, how do you take advantage of and then protect your and protect yourself against this generational shift? Right? Like, what does that do if your decisions can now be made for you by, by, um, by a computer? Right? Like, Google is now very much a bookstore. Right? You go into the bookstore, say, "Here's the type of book I'm looking for," and they give you five pages of uh, books that are along the lines of what you like. But you got to go to the bookstore. You got to click the links and read the damn book and make your own decision. Right? Which, when Google came out and Yahoo and fucking ass Jeeves and whatever the other ones were, um, was revolutionary, right? Before that, it was Encarta 95. Before that, it was the literal bookstore. Um, so everything always changes. And with with, with like chat GPT and, and everything that's going to come from this, it's like if people don't have to make decisions anymore, because we're always looking for the easy way out. Why, why would I ever have to think if someone can just think for me? What does that do for our business? What does it do for every business, what gets automated? And then what is what is real? You know, for the real estate agent, like are you, if a computer can know what's best for the client, then does the client actually trust another human more than they trust a computer? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like 20, what was it, 2023? Like what was life like in 1923? Like that's how much change we're about to go through, except at a at a much faster, faster pace. Mm. It's just wild to think about 
Um, are you guys doing anything with AI in your business? Are you trying to try, integrate yeah, trying. it? How so? What does I, I think it look you like? have to. Well, I think if you don't embrace AI um, um, in terms of customer service right now, then you are going to be left in in the dust. Like it's just it's just it's just now going to happen, right? So as far as customer service goes, which for me and my businesses is a huge part of our business, it's it's basically what we do. Whether it's real estate agents or coaches, everybody supplying amazing customer service. I'm not as concerned about AI creating content that competes with us. I'm not concerned about them being you know robots coming and replacing you know NFL players. Uh, not yet anyway, uh, but that'll happen eventually, and that'll be insane too. We're just going to turn into like robot games and just watch them crush it. It'll be crazy. It'll be totally crazy. crazy. But then they'll start to look humanoid, and it'll be so insane, and then the world's just going to come to a fucking end, man. Like, we get off this planet. We're about to ruin it. Um, now I know why Elon Musk is so insane. Uh, uh, you know these things. He he's known all this stuff way before anybody else. He's like, he's guys, a cyborg. Yeah, when he's three years old. He's like, mom, mom, I know the future. We have to fix this. Um, so like customer service, you know, so helping real estate agents move faster. So it's like you know, Fidelity.com didn't put Goldman Sachs out of business because they knew that the internet wave of uh, you know financial systems was coming, so they got ahead of it. That it's a very unintelligent way of explaining exactly how that happened, but like we're we're trying to do Close the same enough. thing. Yeah, got it. Um, all right, you probably have to go. So last question, I guess, before you go, anyone who's listening to this from the uncharted world, from the advertising week world, young entrepreneurs, people who want to buy homes, why should they hit up Ryan Serhan for anything real estate related? I think our the systems we have built, the technology we've built, and the resources we have are unlike anything that the real estate business has ever seen. Um, and I've kept it really, really, really close to the best so people don't copy me. Um, but it's it's produced insane results, right? Um, and our ability to really help buyers and really help sellers find the best properties for the best property, for the best prices, to sell faster and for more money than anybody else, um, and to really, really help agents build their platforms and build their brands as entrepreneurs, which is what real estate agents are, um, no one else has what we have to be able to do it. And so it's super, super exciting for me. And um, I think everybody should work with us. Cool. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, you're awesome, man. It's Thanks been, for having uh, me. It's been an honor and a pleasure to what get to know you. What an uncharted podcast. <laughs> I'm glad we're friends, man. You're the best. Appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks.